Welcome to the Pad the Stats podcast, your destination for everything fantasy football and where fantasy title hopes come true. And now your host, James Swanson. All right, 11 running backs, 17, no, 16 wide receivers, Pat Cotter, and it's time, man. The much-anticipated rankings podcast releases here, and um, will we have some surprises? Will we not? A lot of differences in our rankings. I guess we'll find out, man. Yeah, I'm excited. It's draft season. You know, it's right around the corner. A couple days. Couple days away. What, three days away. Oh, oh man, I'm yeah. excited. It's yeah. gonna be. It's gonna be wild. I kind of. I kind of expect this is gonna be one of those years where there's a lot of left field picks, just because we don't know. You yeah. know, teams haven't had a chance to go see these guys. We had, like teams haven't had a chance to get together and have like that group think mentality go on at pro days and all the yep. all the like. So, you know, we could see a lot of split opinions in this draft. Yeah, absolutely agree. It's uh, certainly an unorthodox year just with everything going on. We don't need to get into all that and explain. Everybody knows what's going on. Teams can't, you know, there's no official pro days. There's guys throwing together homemade tapes that they're running yeah. their 40 times on turf. You know, uh, what was it? Jalen Regor ran a 4-2-2 or 4-2-4 apparently or something like that. Like, we, yeah, yeah, there's your guy. But. Let's get into this thing. So we are going to talk running backs first, Pat. Like I said, we have 11 of those that we're going to dish out. It's all the guys that we scouted on tape. So if you've, if you've listened to uh, our, our film room, uh, film study, I guess, podcast sessions, uh, episodes, this is exactly the guys that we're talking about. So we'll start with those 11 running backs, and then we'll give our rankings for the wide receivers. Again, 16 of those, which uh, I just released the last one with uh, – Van Jefferson, Quintez Cephas, Tyler Johnson, and, and Antonio Gandy-Golden. Just released that yesterday, so if you haven't had a chance to listen to that one, uh, go ahead and check it out. I think you'll uh, get some good stuff out of that in terms of some guys that at the back end of things, are you going to want them? Are you not going to want them? Are they going to be contributors? I'll go, I go into a little bit of that with those four. So let's, uh, without further ado, Pat, let's let's start it. Let's, we're just going to go at the top. So these are consensus rankings. Um and uh, we'll kind of talk, I think, a little bit. We want to do this where we talk about maybe some guys that we were farthest away on uh, in terms of our own rankings. You know, if we're, we had a couple guys, I think we had three, four spots in between, um, difference-wise between our rankings. So we'll talk through that stuff. But at the top, Ohio State running back, J.K. Dobbins. Um, Pat, I guess for you, I mean, I know, I, th- I know this is different for you a little bit but what what were some of the things just as a recap we'll kind of do that as well give a recap on these guys just short quick um biggest things on tape you know jk dobbins why does he kind of land at our number one spot do you think i mean i honestly think he's kind of got the best athletic profile that kind of matches his tape you know jonathan taylor really surprised at the combine by running a really fast time um for his size but i think jonathan or i think um jk dobbins is a little more like side to side quickness than than Jonathan Taylor does, I think he blends that well with his speed. While he's not nearly as fast, he'll get, he will get chased down at times. I still think he's got game breaking speed, plenty enough speed. I think he's a smart runner. I think he has some of the intelligence that Jonathan Taylor does in terms of his vision, not quite as much. But I think he's just a very well rounded back with a little bit higher athletic upside. Um, he's not my number one back. He's not your number one back. Um, he but he we. Both have him at two, so it worked out. Exactly, yeah. And I, I do think that this is a guy that, that 
look, I, I certainly think J.K. Dobbins is going to be uh, a very good back at the next level. Again, a lot of this kind of depends on where they landed the, on the, in the draft on Thursday or Friday, whatever day they get picked. Um, but we would expect him to be, you know, highly efficient, a guy who has a chance to be a three down back at the next level, can do a lot of things out of the backfield. Um, yeah, J.K. Dobbins, number one for us. At number two, we have DeAndre Swift, who I think, Pat, you're probably considering pre- pretty heavily at number three. Yeah, I mean, it again— I, number three in, in our dynasty. Yeah, Sorry, I, I, Pat holds the number one in the number three picks in our 10-man oh yeah. dynasty. Oh, yeah. Um, I, uh, I'm i considering him. Again, I see all these guys so similarly that I could take any one of my top four backs with the, with that spot just because I think they all have a lot of potential, but they also have some downside. I, I, I see them all as relatively similar. Yes, in a neutral on a neutral team, Swift would be my first guy. But he's not that much higher above all the rest of these guys that I feel that he's going to be, no matter where he goes, my guy that I'm taking. Yeah, it's a good point. I think that any of these guys in the top tier are the same way for me. Um, Taylor, Swift, Dobbins, Akers, who, you know, that's our next guy too. I mean, I kind of gave it away, but we've been ringing this. You know, we've been banging this drum for some time now. I don't think this is any surprise. We have this kind of top tier, if you will, of four guys. And it's going to depend a lot on where they go. But um, I certainly have some preferences in terms of, you know, which guys I like a little bit more, which guys, you know, are a little bit behind, lagging behind. But they're all very, very close. I think we both um, we both agree on that on that front. So at number three, we have Cam Akers, who is my number one running back. I like Cam Akers the most. I think he offers the most um, in kind of both phases, if you will. I think he's going to be a good pass catcher. I think he's going to do a lot of things, you know, surprise some people even maybe a little bit in between the tackles, played with a really bad Florida State offense, really bad offensive line. Um, I know there were some things on tape that, you know, some analysts that we had listened to pointed out maybe he's not quite as natural in between the tackles as somebody like, a Jonathan Taylor, but I think Jonathan Taylor played in a system that probably coached him up a little bit better and did did some things a little bit, uh, you know, more conducive to what he was. I think that if Cam Akers gets the, the, goes to the right landing spot and gets the proper coaching and, and they really utilize his skill set to the max and you lo- utilize all these guys' skill set to the max, I think he has the highest ceiling. Yeah, you know, I would agree. I was just about to say that I was going to say, I think we both agree he has the highest ceiling. His floor worries me. You know, I, there are some questions about his vision, his his kind of just how technical he is at the game. While he does have uh, elite athletic traits, some of his things like pressing the line, he doesn't do all that well. Some things like he just doesn't see holes that open up quite as well. So that's what worries me. I like a back that already has vision because I think that's one of the harder things to teach. Not that he can't get it. And not that he really didn't even have a really great opportunity at Florida State to develop his vision just because the offensive line sucks so much. Yeah. He could get there. And I think he provides the most, the highest upside in the draft, but his floor scares me a little bit. That's why I have him in a vacuum, my number four guy. Okay. Uh, at number four, Jonathan Taylor. And this is the one guy who, of the top three guys, I, I could argue DeAndre Swift a little bit, but that's that's my opinion. Taylor is the other guy 
maybe the, the one guy outside looking in for me who does some things on tape that I just want to see more. There's a, just stuff I want to see more. When, when he's in between the tackles, you know, shedding tackles from linebackers in the Big Ten, I didn't see him do that a lot. I didn't see a whole lot of wiggle, <laughs> you know, at the second level. Um, I know he's got that four three nine speed and all on the track. Didn't see it always show up on tape as much. Um, now, look, I don't care if a running back runs a four three five. I don't care if a running back runs a four five four five five. Whatever. I mean, it's it's a position that you're not playing corner. You're not. You know, I mean, you're not. You don't have to have that breakaway speed. Um, but I don't want to say he's not explosive because he is. I just wanted to see more. I just wanted to see more from Jonathan Taylor, and I just wonder if he's going to be um, not so not so special in the NFL. I really think that could be the case. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that could definitely be the case. I don't think he's going to be a bust unless he starts dealing with injuries or his his pass blocking really comes back to bite him. I don't I don't see him being a bust. He looks too natural as a runner. But again, it could be like David Montgomery last year, where you get him and he just doesn't you know he gets those he gets his 60 yards you know he gets his 70 yards um and uh, not a ton of carries i mean i think but that's a problem this is if he's not gonna be able to pass block he's not gonna be able to go in there on third down until he figures that out and i don't think his passing pass catching ability is special enough that you're like well we got to get him in there because it's while it's fine it's kind of like a leonard fournette to me where it's like yeah he can catch him on a swing pass going out but he's not going to do anything complicated. He's going to, you know, and he if you the the stars align, he might get thirty catches. But you're not looking at much upside. There. Yeah, I think there's more upside with the other guys in terms of pass catching, uh, more a little bit more so than Jonathan Taylor. I would agree there. I think he probably can do that to a degree. But um, yeah, again, I I think for me this is a safe number four in my book. Like this this guy is right where our consensus rankings say he is uh, on my board as well. So Jonathan Taylor, four. Uh, but again, any of these guys in the right perfect landing spot, I think they can all really, really succeed. And there is, and we'll get into this, there's a tear break. There's a tear break coming. Now, at number five, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. This is kind of the wild card, a joker for me. He's sitting on the fence. He's sitting on the fence. He is. He's kind of in this neutral territory in between that the, the next tier that we'll get into. And that top tier. Now he can be in that top tier if he goes to you. You feel strongly about this, I think, right? In, in terms of if he goes to the right spot, you think that he can be Alvin Kamara. Yeah, I think like you know he already shows elite traits as a receiver. Not only in his ability to catch the ball, but his ability to run option routes, his ability to set up routes very well. Are you know would he he'd grade well out for our receivers? I think in in route running, let alone a running back. Um, already has shown that he can catch, you know, 60 plus balls at LSU. So he's had the work. Um, and if he goes to a place that has kind of more of a spread scheme, you know, your, your dream Kansas city type of spot, um, then I think he really could succeed in a, in a place that you don't, you're not going to pound in between the tackles every single time, but I think he has enough wiggle, enough, um, vision in, in general to, be effective in between the tackles if it's not his main, you know, on the times that he has to do it. But I think if you use him on a stretch or and especially as a as a uh, as a, a guy that's going to be catching passes out of the backfield, I think he can be very, very effective. Yeah, um, I agree with some of the things you said. Now, I also had him slotted at number five. 
I think that you're going to get six to seven carries a game from him. Um, that's probably what he's going to be. And he's going to be in a committee. And you're going to have a chance where he's going to catch five passes a game out of the backfield, two or four or five passes out of the back game, backfield. So, look, I think he's a nine or ten touch a guy game, personally. Nine, ten, eleven touches a game. Which, hey, a guy that explosive and with those kind of quick feet, um, if you set him up right, he he's going to give you a ton of good games on ten or eleven touches. Uh, there's no question about it. But I I don't see him as a bell cow or a three down back at the next level. I think there is a bit of a cap, but that's why I have him behind that top tier because I think all of the four guys ahead of him have that seal. They they have that ability to do that. So I'm a little bit behind Edwards Hilaire than you are. Just just a little bit, just a little bit. But I do think he can be. I think he can be very good. I think for you, from what I've gathered, you, you just see a little bit more in terms of what he can do in the running game. You think he can offer up a little bit more there? In certain schemes, yes. Again, I think it's very dependent, kind of like what we're seeing with like Cam Akers, um, but a little bit more so. You know, Like I said, I want him to be in spread offense. Even like, even like uh, Arizona, I think, would work well for him. Um, I don't think he'll end up going there unless Arizona decides, you know, we want to add to our stable. But um, somewhere that's wide open that he they can use him as a they can use him as a passer they can use him as a runner in between the tackles if it's if it's like a spread, um, and I think he's good enough of a pass walker, you know, to be. I mean, he's a small guy. I think he, but he, I think he can offer something there to be able to be in there on third down when you need him. So, would you say he is? closer to the third like the the next tier or the or the top tier he's closer to the top tier for me i 100 percent agree there he's closer to the top tier uh there there are some unique things that clyde edwards Hilaire does that you can't overlook um he is uh I, he's explosive while his four six time wouldn't indicate that he's explosive in a bit of a different way um like he's gonna be a guy like those feet man some of those moves that he makes on guys dead stop like around the line of scrimmage like really impressive and i think he's going to be a real threat in the screen game i think you can line him up in the slot i think you can do things with him out of the backfield and i mean i don't know if somebody gives him a shot in the return game in the kick return game who knows but i think you know he's he's going to make a roster he's going to make an impact he's probably going to be what a mid-round guy maybe a third round pick in I thursday third. in I friday's draft i've heard rumblings of first i don't see that personally yeah, i don't even he might slip into he might go to this in the second but i personally think he's going to be a third round pick. i agree and, that's right that's where i'd want him yeah and, and just for kind of some clarity on where we're talking about uh you know for dynasty drafts like ours for example we have a 10-man draft that is a rookie uh and it has some veterans mixed in there aren't a ton that are taken that are high priority but there are a few um, for example, Alshon Jeffrey is a free agent in our, I actually dropped him. Um, who's the wide receiver from Miami? Oh, uh, Preston Williams. Preston Williams is a free agent. So there are a couple of guys like that out there that are free agents, but for the most part, it's a rookie draft. So for that example, uh, in the 10 man, we're thinking that Clyde Edwards Slayer is going to find himself somewhere in the back half of our draft of, of our first round. Uh, yeah, somewhere, somewhere around or, 9 yeah. to 11, 9 to 12. Probably right around there. Probably yeah. in that range. Um, so just so you're kind of aware for your drafts, uh, you know, where he might fall in. But I think five in our consensus rankings, that's a good spot for Clyde edwards Lair. Now, number six, this is another interesting prospect, uh, Zach Moss out of Utah. Um, 
you know, when I first put on the tape on Zach Moss, Pat, I, I there were a lot of things that I I really liked um, where defenders would just bounce off of him and, and he had some quicks and he had a little bit of wiggle in his game, but also the ability to run you over. The more I watched him, I saw some limitations in, in his movement um, and maybe what he can be at the next level. Now, that's not to say that some team like the Steelers uh, could mold him into a guy like, you know, when they took Levy on from Michigan State and he was 247 pounds and or whatever he was, and they turned him into a 230-pound, 225, 230-pound guy who changed himself completely. I, I don't know if that's going to be him in the next level. I do think he has a place in the NFL, uh, but at number six, what do you think of this landing spot for Zach Moss? I mean, I think it's it's where he should be. There's I, I go back and forth whether I think he's almost in his own tier as well, kind of in the Clyde Edwards Hilaire tier. Um but I don't see as much upside. I think of him as a either a very, very good committee back or a lower end starter. And the problem is one of the biggest problems with him is his medicals. So like it's a good point. You know, I if he's my backup if he's my backup running back, I kind of feel good about it because he's good, but I don't because he's also injury prone. So if my starter goes down, then you might have another guy going down. So uh if he wasn't if he wasn't an injury prone running back, like if he like would you think about him ahead of Hilaire? No. 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 no okay. it, it, it's the so medicals don't safe, scare me that much. Um there's a safe gap there. There's between. a good gap. I might consider him like almost a little bit closer to Hilaire like in the same tier, but with Hilaire the ability to jump out of the tier and Moss not. I mean, again, if he goes somewhere really nice, like if he ends up, maybe say, you know, the Dolphins end up taking uh, Zach Moss as a really only running back, he's going to get a bump. He's going to be up there, especially if one of these guys don't, uh, if one of these guys go to a situation that isn't great, you know, like Jonathan Taylor goes to the Jaguars and sits behind Fournette for a year for some reason. Wait, you know, Fournette just, doesn't get traded. <laughs> yeah, I know, I'm just kind of yeah, coming know, up with a know, situation know, know. that would just be like, well, okay, I'll take Zach Moss over him then or something like that. Yeah, that would be hard for me to do. I, I, don't, I don't ever think see I'd be me able taking to, Zach Moss no, over Jonathan right, Taylor, but right. yeah, he's for me again. Same thing, safe behind those top five guys. I still think Hilaire, Edwards Hilaire is in a little bit of a tier by himself, and then there's this drop off to Zach Moss. So that's kind of where we see this, you know, this next group of guys, and then Keyshawn Vaughn at number seven. We liked his tape a lot at Vandy. I think he is. This is. For me, at least, these next couple guys have a chance to make really significant impacts on your on your dynasty team, and in, in at the next level. So it's seven: Keyshawn Vaughn and number eight: Anthony McFarland. After that, I think they're dart throws. That's how I see it. What do you think? I would argue for Eno Benjamin in that as well. Um, I like a lot of things that Eno Benjamin does. I think he, you know, has shown that he's a competent pass catcher and can carve himself out a role doing that as well while still providing pretty good running rushing ability. He's not fast. He doesn't seem all that athletic, but he does have a little bit of wiggle, a surprising amount of wiggle for his game. Um, plus with his pass catching ability, I think he's going to be a, he could be a solid, you know, number two guy in a rotation. See, I think Anthony McFarland offers up way more. In terms I think of... yes, I think Anthony McFarland has a lot higher ceiling, no doubt. I think you know Benjamin is is a guy that he's just going to be a, he's going to be a he's going to be around like well, ball at this point. At this point, don't you want a higher ceiling though? There's no floor with these guys that you're. you're I mean, Anthony McFarland could be over. out of the league next year. 
Do you don't think and Eno Benjamin would? I think Eno Benjamin. I think again. I think Eno Benjamin has a little bit safer of a floor. Yeah. Anthony McFarland has ridiculous upside with a lot of downside. I disagree. I think that I think Anthony McFarland is going to be pretty good. Honestly, I do. I think he's going to be pretty good. I think he has that chance. I just think he's got downside. Like I yeah. said, some of his vision, his vision, I'm not a big fan of. You know, I think he has he misses a lot of open holes and he tries to bounce things a little bit too much. But I do love his uh, mix of of speed and kind of surprising power, not yeah, exactly no power, but like just not going down like the cream hunt bouncing off kind of guys. Well, the thing. combine results don't really reflect it, but I think, yeah, he, he's more power than I, you would think actually. Um, okay. So McFarlane eight, Eno Benjamin nine, and then Michael P Ryan and DJ Dallas at 10 and 11, Pat. I think I like Michael P Ryan. I like DJ Dallas too. I like these guys. I just don't think, I don't know. I think we're getting to the point now um, where, hey, these guys have a chance to to get drafted, potentially. I think LaMichael P. Ryan a little bit more so, and we have him slotted in at 10. I think DJ Dallas could be an undrafted guy, uh, but I think LaMichael P. Ryan will get drafted. Um, if I had to bet on these two, I would say P. Ryan has the you know a little bit better chance to, again, just kind of echoing what I said, but I, I think he has a chance to maybe make a little bit of an impact with somebody Dallas is a little bit more of a home run for me. Yeah. I mean, these are the guys, these two guys both to me are the ones that like, Hey, like, and like, uh, um, what's his name for the Vikings last year? Uh, Alexander Madison. Yeah. Like these guys could be that dude that get drafted by the lions. And when carry on goes down again, you're like, well, we got, let's go to the waiver, white waiver wire and pick up Michael P Ryan, you know? Yeah, no doubt. I, yeah, that, that's the thing with the running back position is like you these never guys, know. these are names to, Kind of file in the back of your head, draft him if your team, you know, if, if say the Steelers draft DJ Dallas for whatever reason, and they, you know, you have James Conner, you know, that could be a guy that you're going to go out and try to get to shore up some James Conner shares if, you know, Benny Snow and whatever's. But, you know, just like these are guys that could be quality depth if in certain situations. Absolutely. Um, okay, well, let, that wraps it up for the running back. So let's do a quick recap. At number one, J.K. Dobbins. At number two, DeAndre Swift, three, Cam Akers, four, Jonathan Taylor. And again, this is where the tier break happens. So anywhere one of these four guys, pay attention where they get drafted. I think the best landing spot for any of these four running backs could make them the number one back. And then there's a little bit of a tier break. Clyde edwards Lair, kind of isolated by himself. And then tier break, Zach Moss. You could, I, I don't know how you want to tear this up. For me, it'd be Zach Moss, Keyshawn Vaughn, McFarland, Tearbreak, Benjamin, LaMichael P. Ryan, DJ Dallas. Um, but that's kind of how our top 11 shakes out. Who is your number one back? Is it Swift? It's Swift right now. It's yeah. Swift right now. I mean, now. again, okay. it's all very close. Okay, and I had Acres. All right, receiver time. This is the fun one. This is, this is, I just, I love looking at these guys, man. Yeah, me too. I just it's love it's a lot. At these guys. It is fun trying to figure out which. Like, I feel like receiver. There's a lot more interpersonal variability. Like a lot of times, you can look at a running back and like certain guys, like you know, some traits. But I feel like receiver is like where we get a little bit more, uh, where we disagree more. Yeah, there's a, a slew of guys in the middle that I think we're going to disagree on a little bit. Um, well, let's let's start this thing. So there's no d- dispute up at the top. It's C.D. Lamb, it's Jerry Judy, and then kind of everybody else. Now, I think there are, we're going to talk about this. There are guys that can jump up into that tier, and there are guys that, you know, this is not a far and away 
Julio, AJ Green, and then everybody else type of thing. We think that Lamb and Judy are the best. Among most people, think that you know, think that same way. Uh, but there are certain guys here who can probably jump up into that tier now. CD Lamb, Pat, you and I both agree. He offers the most in terms of just overall playmaking. I think he just has a knack as a baller who can be your DeAndre Hopkins in this draft. Mm -hmm. Like, he is that guy. So I think you have to really take into consideration just how much of a playmaker he is. If you need a wide receiver, say you're sitting there at 101 and you are uh, in a non-super flex league. You need if you need a, uh, a wide receiver, or even you are kind of equal at wide receiver and running back. I have no qualms with you taking CD, CD Lamb over any of these guys. I honestly wish I could take CD Lamb with my third pick, but my running back situation is abysmal right now. What my best guy is, Phil Lindsay. Yeah, you've had a well, you you've had a string of bad luck this off season. Um. Yeah, yeah, you need it's to bad. take you need to take a running back, and it's ours is a super flex league. So at number one, Pat's going probably Joe Burrow more than likely, um, just because the quarterback position is that much more hyped up. But I agree with you. I think if if you're at number one in a in a one QB dynasty, CD Lamb's hard to pass up, big time. And then Jerry Judy, and th- there is not much gap here for us. This is one of the best, if not the best, route runner in this class. Just really savvy. I think very, a decent gap's opened up between me. Oh, you do? Okay. I, I think, don't think there is. I think there's a, a decent gap between CD and Judy. I still love Judy, but I just think that CD is a, he's a home he, run. Is that why you think there's a, more of a gap now for you, is he's that much more of a playmaker? He's going to give you yeah. more big yeah, chain plays yeah. and just... I, from what I see on CD, he looks special. Judy does some special things, but he also has parts of his game that worry me. Where Lamb, just like every part of his game, I'm in love with. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. I can see that. Um, yeah, Judy, man, other than some of the drops, I just w- watching him run routes is just a thing of it's beauty. It's amazing. And it's, you're it's, the route it's an orchestra more so than I am. Uh, but yeah, he's 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 something else. So I don't think there's that much of a gap between one and two. At number three, we had Justin Jefferson, who played was pretty much the slot receiver for um, LSU. I think there was a, I thought I heard it eight was it like ninety five percent of his snaps were out of the slot. Yeah, at LSU. Well, no, it was like nine snaps out of all of the snaps that he did were out of or were so more were than outside. 90, more than ninety five percent. It was like <laughs> he only had nine snaps. Out on the outside at all, out of like out of like thousand or whatever it was, yeah, yeah. yeah so he he is pr- primarily a slot guy, but if you're looking for one, of, I think one of the safest floors in this draft, Justin Jefferson's your guy. Very very safe floor. He's going to be a really good pro. And AJ Brown. What we were what we were saying about AJ Brown last yeah. year that like this guy is just gonna this guy's just solid. Like we think he's going to be really good. We don't see really many ways that he won't be good. Yeah. Besides getting drafted by the Titans. There, oh, wait. Like, there are things that he... Not, I'm not comparing games here, but there, like, there are things that I wanted Sterling Shepard to be and I wanted Nelson Aguilar to be that Justin Jefferson is, good, Jefferson is going to be for you. I'm not saying he's the same player as those guys, but he's going to be that guy. He's going to be a good player. I'm and I, telling I you. Think, I honestly think he has the ability to play outside. I don't think that this is something that he's only can play in the slot. He would thrive in the slot. But, you know, if you have a guy that if you want to, like, say the Saints take him and they want to put Michael Thomas in the slot for one, they can't they don't have to just bring Justin Jefferson off the field. He's yeah. plenty good enough to play on the outside. Yeah, he's six one. I mean, he's 
plenty, you know, big enough. Uh, he can do everything you want at, I think, all positions on the field. I would agree with that. So, yeah, Justin Jefferson at three. Um, where did you have him? I had him at three. I have him at four, but th- this okay. three and four are like are neck and neck, and, and I go back and forth on and, them every day. Okay, so we have Denzel Mims at four, yes. um, and I had Denzel Mims at four. So uh, might be a surprise to some people, you know? Yeah. I mean, this guy who's really risen up boards over the past since basically the Senior Bowl when he really when he kind of just kind of came out, um, people have kind of been raving about him since. I've been on him not quite this high for a long time for not you know since the start of the process. Didn't think I'd get him up this high, but yeah, wow, his he his, he kind of had a meteoric rise. Yeah, big guy, six three, over two hundred, what two hundred ten, two hundred fifteen pounds, something like that. He might have been like two oh seven, I think it might have been at what I weighed in at, but um, yeah, he's he's got all the when he ran that. What did he run at four three? It was like a, yeah, it was like four three four three yeah. some or four four something. It was it was somewhere around four four flat. Uh, but anyway, he uh. Yeah, really impressive athlete and did in terms of explosion four three four three eight. Yeah. yeah. Thirty eight and a half inch vert, ten foot eleven inch broad. Um, just really, really had a strong combine. I think he he really showed out there and that's that's gonna help him a lot on draft day. Um especially now that we don't get any and we, we didn't have any uh, pro days. But yeah, Denzel Mims at four, I do think he has a ton, ton, ton of upside. If you're going upside here, Denzel Mims is your guy. Now at number five, Henry Ruggs, who we I think we're the low guys on him. I no think doubt. we've seen a lot of people at, at one, two, three with Henry Ruggs. People think he can be in that top tier and challenge Lamb and Judy. We don't see it the same. Um, for me, Pat, I it, I know for you, it's production. I was surprised. I was honestly very surprised that you didn't have him higher. You know, I just the I way you talked first. about him. I did. For the, a little it bit. was like I'm like he's gonna. This is going to be a guy you like. Not exactly like a guy that's that's your guy, but the guy that you like significantly more than mine, than me. And when you had him right around where I did, I was I was pretty blown back. Yeah, you you talked me into it a little bit more with the production and we've we you know, who is it that does the um kind of looks at college production and how it translates. One of oh, your like guys. JJ like Zacharyson. Yeah. yeah. What do they call that? What's he called that segment segment not just oh. analytics. No analytics, but come on. You know what I'm talking about. Isn't it like reception perception? Is oh, that you're the talking kind about of... like Harmon. Yeah, he does the reception perception stuff. Okay, okay. Yeah. For like college and stuff and, uh, and how uh, he, it kind of translates. For, no? For okay, all right. You're well, talking I'm about like J.J. Zacharyson does all the analytics where he like looks at like production score okay. and he looks That's at breakout age at and all because, that stuff. Because the one big guy who we talked about that, that defied that was Terry McLaurin. Like he didn't do a lot at Ohio State, but he defi- he's kind of defying that at the next level, but there aren't many guys who do that. Um, this could be the guy. This could be another guy who falls in that category of, of hey, the did not have a college production. Um, can you expect it the next level? That is something that is a little bit, you know, concerning, no doubt. So I, I did move him down a little bit. I don't know if he's going to be – I don't want to, you know, sit here today and say Henry Ruggs is a bust by any means. I don't think he's going to be John Ross. I think he's going to be better than that. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not – I've cooled off a little bit on, on Ruggs for sure. Now, number six, this is another one. I think Mims has a ton of ceiling. I think T. Higgins, Pat, has a has a huge ceiling too. Ridiculous ceiling. He's, I, you know, it was funny because I've seen guys that have been kind of souring on T. Higgins. And, you know, I've heard discussions on, you know, you watch, you watch all these other big, big receivers, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And then you're going to look at T. Higgins again. And you're going to be like, oh, man, I think it was just because I watched him first that – 
I really liked him. And I went back and watched the tape, and I still liked him a lot, even after going through basically all these, all like basically every single one of these receivers. And I was happy with where I have him. You know, I I have I have T Higgins right at my, as my eighth receiver. You have him actually even a little bit higher than I do, but um, I think he's got all the upside in the world. And I still think he's already a pretty Paul, like not exactly polished receiver, but he's going to be. I think he's going to contribute near one. Yeah, I have him at five. Um, I, you know, look, I, I kind of fell in love with the size, all the peripherals in terms of, you know, the athleticism, um, what he can do, you know, in terms of just, you know, beating smaller defensive backs and stuff. And, and great body control, great body control. I thought he made a number of really you know, nice catches, some nice sideline catches where, you know, just identifying where the boundary is. And I never had a problem with like a lot of these big guys, you know, you kind of get to the point where they're like, Oh, they have the concentration drops or like, they just don't always catch the ball. Kind of like what you see with Mims and another guy we're going to talk about later, but I don't see that with T Higgins. He never really made any big drops that I was concerned about. And there was one or two that he like, you know, he needs to try to attack the ball a little bit more come on like some underthrown balls I saw, but you know, he's, he's, he's effective. I, I, I like him and I'm kind of surprised by it. Yeah. For me, like Justin Jefferson, okay, fits in a lot of places, right? I think he can be effective in a lot of different places. T. Higgins, where where there's separation here, this ceiling is so high, but there's a chance, you know, I don't know if he went to the Jets or if he went to Buffalo. I'm not saying, you know, Buffalo's come a long way with Josh Allen, but I, there are places where he could fall flat on his face. I, I think the Buffalo would actually be a pretty decent spot. Maybe Jets, it would be. Jets, Maybe it would definitely, be, but... I'd agree. Because I think Josh Allen, like a big armed quarterback like Josh Allen that can't really exactly put it right where he wants it, T. Higgins is going to be able to run down the field, get out in front of his guy, and then use his big long arms to just snag the ball out of anywhere. So, like, I think that would actually be a decent fit. Maybe, yeah, and compliment those two other yeah. guys uh, in, in, you know, in John Brown and uh, Stephon Diggs. But, yeah, um, I don't know. I do think there are some places that Higgins can certainly fall flat on his face. I that, agree. That's, I 100% agree with you. And though. I think that's something that you should keep just keep in mind. Like this is a guy classic who could really fail too. Um, so this is no by no means a slam dunk where I think the top three guys that we talked about, I, I personally I think they're all slam dunks. I think Mims has, uh, again, a little bit similar to, Hig- to Higgins really in the upside. And... Then with, you know, Ruggs, who we talked about, um, is, you know, I did, well, we didn't even really get there yet. Yes, we did. I'm looking at my rankings. Sorry, we had Ruggs at five. Um, you know, with Ruggs, I, I, there, there's so much in terms of the speed and the game-breaking ability that, you you know, you tend to fall in love with it. But there are some things that I want to see more out of him, too, as a complete receiver and, and just the production in general. So, a lot of different variables here with these, these receivers. next three guys to me in our ranks are highly variable boom bust kind of guys. Yeah, it gets even more variable. No doubt about it. So at number seven, LaVisca Chenault. And this is to me, one of the more polarizing guys in this draft because man, you see some of the playmaking ability. It's a, it's a receiver and a running backs body. And that's so enticing of what all the things he can do. And you saw how guys like AJ Brown and Debo Samuel and players like that were used in today's NFL. I think LaVisca Chenault has a chance to be used in that way at the next level where you can do so many different things with him. The biggest question, one of them, is the you know the medical report. How's, how's he going to hold up? Because he was banged up a little bit. There wasn't a lot of production in his final year at Colorado. There was the year before, but there are a lot of question marks. Is he the total receiver? Does he have the hands? Can he 
win 50-50 balls? Can he track the ball down the field? Those are all things that I think we questioned a little bit on tape. But if there's anybody I think that, that really could solidify himself um, as a mainstay and as a guy who really has a lot of ups, again, upside. We talk about upside. I mean, Chenault's that guy. Now, at number eight, I'm gonna, I am I want to let you talk about your boy here. and that's. I, wanted, we, I did want to say one thing. Yeah, about go ahead. Chenault so go ahead. Sorry. Another thing about him to me is he lacks a lot of refinement just because he was using a lot of different ways at Colorado. And That's he could be a guy a that if he doesn't go to an offense that is willing to use him, you know, just get him the ball in a lot of creative ways. He could be a guy that takes a while to, to get to his ceiling. He could be a, a year two, year three breakout. I think there's that there's plenty of possibility. If a team tries to make him a traditional wide receiver, it's going to take him a while to really refine his craft. So, He's a guy that I'm. If you draft him, just be ready that he might not hit right away. Absolutely, I I agree with those points too. Now at number eight, this is one of your favorite guys, Jalen Regor. Um, you had him higher though. You had him all the way up at what five? Yeah, he's my fifth. He's my fifth guy. Okay, what what makes you want to put him up? You know, right behind those top guys. I, you know, he's as as you saw with his his uh, workout video. He is very athletic. He's got a blazing speed. I don't know if he's four two two speed. I see him as four three speed, but still a blazer. And I think he's got plenty of ability to go up. He's he's very explosive. He had what a thirty nine inch vert. I want to say yeah, something like that. He's very explosive. Very um, explosive. You can see it on tape. He he jumps out of the gym and goes and high points a lot of balls. Forty two inch vert, eleven feet six on the broad, which um, yeah, that was ridiculous. the that was the biggest one I think. Yeah. If, I'm, if I had it counted, I think right. Donald Peoples Jones might have had a little check longer, that, but, but I think yeah. that's right. Yeah, they're ridiculous. I mean, he like you said, you can see it on tape. He he has a lot of dog in him, from what I see. He's one of these guys that just plays w- angry, and he's got, has that my ball mentality. He's going up and he's going to get the ball. He doesn't care what you're doing. That and not to mention he has a lot of kind of yards after catch ability. He like I said, he's very fast. He's shifty. And I think he's got the makings of a solid number two receiver with wide receiver one upside. Okay, I like the argument. Um, Look, the Ohio State game when he made that one-handed catch as she was shielding off, I think it was Damon Arnett in the 2018 early in the season, made a nice one-handed catch. I mean, he did a lot of good things in that game and tight coverage against two of the better corners, you know, in college. I know Akuda wasn't quite as good in 18 as he was in 19, but... Yeah, I mean, he did some good things against top competition. Um, I I don't dislike Jalen Rigor. I had him a little bit lower. Um, I didn't see a guy who was quite as complete, but I like the hands. I love some of the catches that he makes up over his head. Skies for the ball. He, I mean, very easily one of those guys who isn't a big guy but catches the ball away from his body really well. Um I could see him being good. I could see him being good. I have him a li- slotted a little bit lower, but I can see the reasons why you have him up there. At number nine, uh, a guy that I didn't think I would like that much until we watched him, and that's Brian Edwards. Um, I This is another guy for me here who I think could, I, while I don't know if he's going to creep up into that top four, top five, um, like some of the guys ahead of him who, who do have that ceiling, like T. Higgins, like Denzel Mims, he is going to be a solid wide receiver, in my opinion. I think he's got all the makings to be solid, solid wide receiver three in terms of fantasy. Um, now I could see a situ- scenarios where he doesn't get there just based on, you know, there wasn't a ton of production, but 
He started a ton of games in the SEC. Brian Edwards is a guy you need to check out if you haven't. And listen to our podcast where we broke him down. He has he does a lot of things well um, and makes some really some highlight catches as well. Um, some crazy catches. <laughs> Ridiculous mean, catches. Like just highlight reel, you know, sports center top ten every week kind of catches. Um now the one thing he will also do is make those like worst of drops where he just you he's going across the middle and just drops it wide open. He just just can't he's just you know, he has those concentration drops. And that could be to me what ruins him. You know, you get you get drafted in the fifth round and you go into practice you start dropping the ball a lot coaches aren't going to take that for very long and when your quarterback's looking at you in a big moment and you drop the ball on like a third down and six when he drops a dime on you they're gonna they're gonna be like well i'm not throwing to this guy anymore it's not reliable i think it's he is again a guy for me like higgins like mims but more so who is just a high 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 boom bust kind of guy i could see him being out of the league in two years I could see him being one of the top three guys in this in this class if he can re- realize his full potential. Okay, let's look at the next four guys in a bit of a group. So KJ Hamler, we have a ten. Quintez Cephas at eleven. Michael Pittman Jr. at twelve, and Brandon Ayuk at thirteen. This is such an. And when I looked at this, I was like, wow. You know, I could see any one of these guys, in my opinion, being at seven or six. Um, I really feel that strongly about, especially, you know, Michael Pittman, 100-plus receptions at USC, ton of production. A lot of people are really high on him. Um, Quintez Cephas, who might be the biggest bull, the most, you know, aggressive, uh, the most physically just put-together guy, Um, very, very physical. And some of the things he does when he skies in the air and can catch, you know, shield off defenders and just really overpower guys for the football um, there are very few guys in this class that I saw do the things that he did um, in, in that, you know, in, in that sense. So, like, you know, I love KJ Hamler. I think he's got all the, the, the explosiveness and can match anybody in terms of shiftiness, um, agility, speed. I think if you get him in the right situation, I think in Philly, if they used him a certain way, he could be very, very effective. Is he going to be a number one outside receiver in the league for you know a long time and catch and be the guy who's snagging eight balls a game? No, probably not. Um, that's not his game. But if you use him the right way, he can be a very, very dynamic playmaker. And then Brandon Ayuk, who a lot of people like, Pat, as a guy who um, shifty, can do a lot of things after the catch, can do a lot of things in the return game. I personally think all four of these guys, 10 through 13 for our rankings, Hamler, Cephas, Pittman Jr., Ayuk, we have them in double digits, but don't make no mistake about it. In my opinion, any one of these guys can be wide receiver twos at some point. Yeah, no, I would agree. I think there there's a kind of a, a long tier three here. Um, I would start it with Brian Edwards. I would include Jalen Rager in the, in the tier above. Um, I mean, you'd probably say differently, but... Um, I think that this is a long tier of just guys that I think could really have a chance to make a big impact in the NFL. You know, some of them have upside to be a wide receiver one. Some of them are just kind of like, I almost feel like they're not guaranteed, but you know, a really high likelihood to be a great wide receiver, like a good wide receiver too. That's solid guy like Michael Pittman. I think he's going to be, I think he's a pretty complete prospect, honestly. And I think he's going to be a solid wide receiver to come. Whereas Brian Edwards, 
he has that chance to be ridiculously good, um, but also can be, you know, has that, that very low upside. So it's a very interesting group. Like you said, Cephas, powerful as all get out, um, kind of just has that my ball mentality as well. Ayuk, um, just a playmaker. You turn on the film and he's going to, you know, he's, he's a guy that you can put it back there returning kicks, punts. Um, uh, he's the just best kidding. Punt. He is the best punt returner in this class. Yeah. Him and Hamler, yeah. I would say, are probably. I think Hamler does some really good things in that in in that category too. But yeah, he's he's got a lot going for him in the return game. Yeah, he's just dynamic. Once you get the ball in his hands, I Absolutely. do have some worries about him with like press man. But other than that, he looks he looks to be a pretty good player. Um, I think there's another there's a drop off though after these that this kind of group of people. Yeah. Um, so when we get down to, to 14, 15, and 16, that's Tyler Johnson, Antonio Ganey-Golden, and Van Jefferson. Um, if you have listened to the podcast already that I released yesterday, Van Jefferson is a technician. I think his floor is safe. I think he does have a spot on an NFL roster and will be a wide receiver three or maybe a wide receiver four probably, but but has a chance to be a, a three. Um, Gandy-Golden, I'm out on, but... But that's just me. I, I I know you see the upside, right, a little bit more in terms and of. He's another guy that like he has a lot a of. Nice he has some throw. really high upside. Yeah. Um, it's going to take a little while, so don't expect anything this year. Sure, sure, sure. So, and then Tyler Johnson, another you know really productive college career. I think there are some things holding him back, maybe athletically, um, but ultimately, it's hard to argue that production at times, um, you know, in, in a Power Five conference, but. Um, just, I, he makes plays. He has a knack for making plays. plays. He absolutely makes plays. And if if you said of those three guys, for me at least, Tyler Johnson, Gandy Golden, Van Jefferson, who do you want to take a dart throw on late? I'm going Tyler Johnson. What's your pick? Is that the same or? I probably would go Gandy Golden. Okay. Um, but I think that's just because I'm swinging more for the fences in this point. Where Tyler Johnson, I think, is uh, has much more of like a ceiling floor ceiling kind of more of the ceiling i again i think he, he could be held back but you know back down here i'm gonna take a chance on the big guy um who could use a little more refinement coming into the nfl that he didn't get at liberty okay yeah for me it's just a competition thing i i want to i like the guy who's played against top competition at a power five conference as opposed to the guy who who hasn't but you can't argue what gandy golden did um, if you if you haven't had a chance, go check out his highlight reel because it's funny. I mean, some of the catches that he makes over guys one handed, basically like using corners as like catapults, essentially. Like, yeah, it's like it's, it's, crazy. it's like the sixth grader went down and played football with the third graders. <laughs> yes, you know, for the most part, so. exactly. That's exactly what his his tape is like. All right, so let's recap really quickly. At number one, C.D. Lamb. Two, Jerry Judy. Bit of a tear break, um, but but certainly very solid. And I honestly, he. It might be one. It might be Lamb for me, Lamb Judy, and then very small break Justin Jefferson, who I think is really safe at four. High upside Denzel Mims, Rugs at number five, another high upside at number six T Higgins, high upside seven Lavisca Chenault, high upside. I mean, this is we're talking about a lot of guys with up, with upside in that group. Um, at number eight, Regor, who you love, Pat. At number nine, Brian Edwards. Ten KJ Hamler. 11, Quintez Cephas, 12, Michael Pittman Jr., 13, Brandon Ayuk, 14, Tyler Johnson, 15, Antonio Gandy-Golden, and number 16, Van Jefferson. And look, we did 16 guys, but Devin Duvernay out of Texas, 
There's other Chase guys. Claypool. Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame. There's other guys that you can look at we, we, that, that have a Gibson, chance. who could out be of Memphis. In, 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 in your running back. You know, there's, yeah. there's still so many guys oh, out there, there so that deep. we're going to try to get to after the draft. We're going to do some of a, like, who did who'd we miss kind of Absolutely. Uh, series after we get to the quarterbacks and the tight ends. Um, but there will be more coming. You know, we're going to. We'll do a, a post-draft reaction episode probably Saturday or Sunday. Um, uh, yeah, definitely. We'll we'll definitely get around to a little bit of a, a – and we got to talk about our Dynasty League too. Of course, yeah, we always we'll do that. We'll definitely do a Dynasty League kind of summary yep. where, where teams are at and then maybe into some mock drafts and getting the rest of the guys scouted. So uh should be – I mean, we ain't – this ain't ending with the draft. You know, this is just when it gets all started and we just got to get our the rest of our rankings complete. That's right. It might be quarantine. There's nothing to do in the world, but we're still here, and football is – there's a lot going on right now. So this is, a, this is a fun time for sure. All right, well, that does it for the running back and receiver rankings. Recording this on April 21st. Um, you should hear this on April 22nd. So uh, thanks again for listening to Pad the Stats. I'm your host, James Swanson. Later. Bye-bye.